There is no phone ringing, damn it! What the hell are you talking about? You know what the hell she's talking about? Now, what in hell am I going to tell this boy Shaver's parents? That a substitute nurse assassinated him because she couldn't tell the doctors from the patients on the floor? My God! Okay. You let a woman beat ya. You little tiny nothing. Why did you move closer to me? Closer to Don't, you. Bob. Uh-uh. His name was Jeremiah Johnson. Norma Ray has been working since she was 16. And Jeff Goldblum is the psycho freak who's everywhere the action is. That's outrageous! You try one more goddamn stunt and I'll light up the fucking sky! I'd rather die running than be left here alone. Okay, but remember, serpentine! Absolutely. What a guy. You can fuck the lilies and the roses too. A decade under the influence. No rules, no limits. No wonder these filmmakers changed our world. The tea is tricky. <laughs> the tea is tricky. Hi and hello and welcome to another episode of A Decade Under the Influence. We need like sassy review music. The sound of that tone means... <laughs> what was it called? Oh yeah, mean to you. We're doing a little bit mean different. We just me. watched The Return of the Sakaka 7 and we're going to review that last week. Yeah. It's fresh. It's yeah. the freshest because we're always moving forward. And no write-up. Just a off-the-chest fire go. Yeah, that's, you know, lack of professionalism. But I'll take full responsibility for that. <laughs> We've been busy people. Them Very maybe busy. Maybe more than me. But It's tax season, I everybody. got my second booster and it wiped me the fuck out. I was a person who was very tired for the second half of this week. Yeah, and, and a, like a jock punched you in the arm. Yeah, like jock yeah, punched totally, you in the arm. Who would think the booster was triggering, but it was. <laughs> um, but very grateful for it. Okay. Yeah, I'll get that on the tape. Uh, we're doing two movies from 1977, two from 1978, and two from 79. We are starting with one of our first maybe our first like actual foreign films that we have to, you know, sometimes I oh, feel yeah, like yeah. it's it's for reviews we can do them, but I'm I'm worried about doing one where we're talking over and it's, you know. Oh yeah, you got to read the whole fucking movie. Only art. only one with with like a good dub or something like that. And I'd hate to watch it like that, but at the same time without it. But I had a good memory of this one, so it was on the list. One sings, the other doesn't. Are you ready? I'm mostly ready. This is going to suck, by the way, because hey, I wrote this. Well, and I hate to People pre- say that in karaoke all the time, and then they're like, note perfect. Well, no worries here, buddy. Because <laughs> um, <laughs> I wrote this while watching the other movie. <gasps> Don't so, tell him that. You're giving him too much information. Look, I'm pulling back the curtain, because it's not up to my normal standards, and I understand oh, that. It's so. going to be great. So anyway, this is one things that other doesn't. Our director is Angus Varda. Mm-hmm. Uh, also the writer. Uh, it stars uh, oh, yeah. Teresa Leitard, uh, Valerie Moresi, and Robert Daddies. French it- names. <laughs> this is the story of two women in France growing up and taking control of their lives. One has kids early, and the other works on advocating for abortion and takes up singing. She joins an artist troupe and hooks up with a dude from Iran. Uh, the other one starts working in a clinic and raising her kids. Their lives keep intersecting, even though they aren't together very often. The singer has a kid as well, but decides that the dad can take him home to Iran. She then goes on a tour again, but pregnant this time, and her and her friends sing songs about Ingalls and how men are jerks. 
The other lady gets a doctor to leave uh, his wife for her, and happiness ensues. Discuss. Uh, you left out eyebrows and another thing that I forgot, but definitely left out the, the eyebrows. We were watching it and we were like, eyebrows. <laughs> oh, that, uh, she also did performance art. Some of their like play things were kind well, of like They tried art. to, but like, remember like they couldn't get it off the ground and she was real upset about it because they were no, like walking around with but some of their street stuff was like street and... theater too. But I thought that was just busking to get people to come to the shows. Yeah. Maybe. I was. I don't know. And in some places where they didn't have shows, that was, was, just that was part of it. But yeah. like, it was a lot of just like. Anyway, that was just to be there. funny nitpicking. I thought you did great. Oh, thanks. That's sweet of you. It's a complex movie that I think is difficult to write a good synopsis for because there's not. I mean, there's lots of things that happen in the film. But it's not like a story of a thing happening, right? It's it's seventy slice of life sort of movie, where you get these different these different lives happening, and they intersect just enough to keep a thread together. But beyond that, like making me think of Spinal Tap, it's like lines <laughs> intersecting. <laughs> it's beautiful. What's it called? Lick my love pump. <laughs> But yeah, it's doing that. It's another kind yeah. of like art, arty thing yeah. going on. Very arty. And very <laughs> French. Yeah, yeah. Well, it starts off with all those like sad photos and... Oh yeah, the photographer. Yeah. Oh, and... Woo. I just skipped him entirely. Well, there's some darkness there. Yeah. Jesus. But he's in and out pretty quick. Yeah, yeah. but it's just... I mean, it, the whole movie is, is like it's French times a, way, a thousand. Yeah. yeah. Because it, it's just that method of someone's of hitting suicide you in the is just face one of those with a things. baguette the entire time. People who choose that method. Oh, yeah, it's ooh. terrible. And people got to find you and cut you down. And I mean, it's, it's. I'm not actually spoiling it, I'm not actually stating what happened. <laughs> <laughs> It's but like, it's fine that you should know that if you watch this movie, it has that in it. Yeah, it could be uh, triggering. Be alerted. There is suicide. Our entire podcast is a little mm. bit of a trigger warning, so I'm fine mentioning it here. But Right. <laughs> right. The 70s movies just... Yeah, this, we're going to talk uh, about it. Yeah, I don't know that I've got a ton to say about this movie, other than I well, think it was a terrible plan that uh, she got pregnant again... Just to have the guy leave so she could go on tour pregnant? Well, I don't think that she so did that. So that they could both have a baby? Yeah. Not together? Did they say that? Yes. yes. She was like, hey. They had a whole French you, conversation. <laughs> you could, oh God. Do you remember the conversation about nothingness? <laughs> Where they just strolled on and on about nothing. And I remember they weren't I'm shy so of having. Sad. It's like nothing is here and the world is. It's like, oh my God. And like God. they were. The two friends, they were political, right? They were doing like pro Yeah, they were doing like pro-abortion. Well, for like a minute. She was for doing, a minute, well, but then no, no, she's no. doing like but anarchist the other, stuff. One, yeah. The one friend did like work in a clinic though. Yeah, yeah. Like in an like, abortion worked in an clinic. abortion clinic. Yeah. And the other one just became a singer in an art troupe. I thought there was a fair amount of politics throughout what it I mean, ugh, going back, the first time I ever went on tour in Europe uh, I brought a lot of books, and then uh, this one guy gave me another book to read, which was um, Revolution for the Hell of It by Abby Hoffman. And in that book, he mentioned the the Black Panthers, and I was like, what's that? And what's this? So I had to get all these other books. And then I worked at Movie Madness at the time, and they didn't have much, but they had one film that was just called Huey, about Huey P. Newton, a free Huey Newton rally. And the director is Agnes Varda, our director here. Oh, interesting. So... Uh, 
you know, I think I had watched this movie early on and I was like slightly disappointed. Still kind of liked it, but uh, <laughs> I don't even think I finished it. I watched this kind of recently, but uh, it was one of those things where a lot of her other movies weren't as political as like, I mean, but that's about as left as you can go. You're not really going to do more political than a Huey Newton rally. Right. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, I can just do art shit from here on out. I think it's going to be fine. Yeah. But, I mean, has the right political leanings. And I think some some of that is in this film. It's not a film where like, ugh. I mean, maybe you had a little bit of uh, but I like this movie a lot. I don't think I had a, lo- a little bit of uh. I mean, there's, there's just like 70s things yeah. happening in it that's like... I don't know. It's 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 not it's not very forward thinking, but well, I won't even say that because maybe it is a little bit. But there's there's certainly the a lot of the standard holes that you find in in seventies movies. I mean, there was like you know the Orientalism of like her relationship with the guy from Iran, like totally. Um. Yeah, she just like, but I I kind of wondered if if the movie was kind of exposing that, or if it was just like so n- blind to it that it made it obvious. <laughs> well, I mean, some of the most coolest like, things, that... just like the way that that she just sort of objectified his culture, and and I mean to be fair, like the movie calls her out on it, right? Like he's. He's like, you haven't even tried. You haven't even tried to learn the language. You haven't even tried to like yeah. make friends with anyone. I like think you some just of that sort of walk around mm-hmm. like in a la la land, you know, like appreciating the art of that you're looking at, but you're not engaging with anything here. <laughs> and she's like, Oh, I'm so bored of this place and I thought I was gonna be on a magic carpet ride and <laughs> <laughs> like literally says that. <laughs> but but yeah I mean that just could have been part of the director's vision of just being like blunt about the, the racism and yeah and, totally inherent in that yeah I feel either way it worked because it wasn't like supporting it you're not like oh right. yeah they're saying the correct things that's the right way to do it right. <laughs> and there's a lot of movies that we watch that like helped move the bar, in my opinion, and say really good things that hadn't been said before, and then they'll just say something really fucking dumb, right? Absolutely next to it. You know? Yeah. Right. <laughs> but I'm I'm grateful for this movie. I liked it. I had a really good time watching it with you all. Me too. I also it could have been it. more to the point in certain areas. Yeah, but, but then it wouldn't be an. Some of it, I feel, when we were watching it, was just like, do you have to be French to get some of this? There's a lot of just like <laughs> yes. naked children running around. <laughs> I think they just have less hang-ups, and it's not yeah obviously not sexualized in any way. But it's it just feels a little weird from where we're coming from or where I'm coming from. Yeah, yeah. It's just constant children eating fruit or whatever naked children eating fruit. I don't remember, but. It, I've seen yeah. other French movies. And I, I think one of my favorite little hidden bits in this is the hitchhiker with the kid who just randomly joins their yeah. their circus troop thing and is just like, I like that a lot too. <laughs> they're just like dad and kid who like are oh yeah like, when we made all the jokes we're like you know I need to be here I mean, you, I'm getting in it's it's <laughs> it's kismet I mean 
I'm into the shit you're into, and now I'm here. Yeah, yeah I'm just I'm just here. We got a little kid too. Maybe part of the storytelling. Yeah, there's certain things that you know. Hey, you have a you have a crass patch. You have you know. Like, <laughs> get in, come on. You have an anti-fascist action. You know. Just saw tattoo. you walking down the road and just get in. Yeah, you have a baby. You know. God damn. <laughs> yeah, I like that too. You want to score it? Oh, did I score it? Uh, I believe I gave it an eight, but maybe you know seven point five. I just think you know sometimes I'm like, okay, it's really good, but you know I want to give it a ten and forget about it. You know, it's just like <laughs> already I could tell that that they had done a good job with it. So maybe land on seven point five for yeah. fun. It was a good copy too. Uh, I give it a seven. Hmm. Yeah, thumbs up. Thumbs up. All right, well, I'm not going to look up my actual recommendation. Uh, we could move on to uh, Bobby Deerfield, 1977. I've waited a long time to see this. This is the first time seeing this movie because I love, love, love Al Pacino. We love Al Pacino yeah. movies. Dog Day Afternoon, top five movies of all time. Absolutely. And then everyone's just like, well, you know, Bobby Deerfield is such shit and don't watch it. And so it's kind of like, I don't want to taint my my love of Al Pacino movies with this and uh, it didn't it wasn't brilliant but go ahead I mean just a little preamble well, Bobby Deerfield like you were saying 1977 our director here is Sidney Pollock and director I love too yeah absolutely like. uh, written by Alvin Sargent oh, this is where I'm like why didn't I bring my glasses down uh, hold on uh, he's bringing a little closer to me that's the trick um uh, also written by Eric uh, Maria Remorque. Perfect. Yeah, fine. Uh, stars Al Pacino, uh, Martha uh. Keller, and Annie Dupree. All right. This may be the best racing movie that I've ever seen. Uh, uh, mostly because it has very little, uh, very little car racing in it. Bobby is a famous Formula One car racer, uh, or race car driver. Uh, currently on a European circuit. While visiting a friend who was injured in the last race, he meets a woman who may or may not be receiving care at that hospital. His visit ends, uh, and he's leaving, and of course she jumps into the car, and they take off together. Um, Bobby is nervous but intrigued. Uh, they end up going their separate ways, but she is living uh, rent-free in Bobby's mind. After a crash of his own, Bobby seeks her out and finds her living in a super mansion. She's flighty and not connecting as well as she did before. And then he realizes that she, and this is a spoiler, is dying. That's it? That's it. It's so funny. Like, all of that plot was a shock to me. I'm just like, whoa, I don't remember it. Anyway. <laughs> it's funny if I'm just like closing my eyes and picturing the movie I can picture them like eating <laughs> like at a restaurant eating and talking and that's not the worst you know plot of the movie they do there is a lot of talking there is a lot of talking in this yes. film like he's a racer and he meets this woman and they go to dinner and they and talk and she's weird <laughs> yeah just all the time weird She's just like but it, that. Like, is really intriguing to him. Yeah, he's like, oh my god, you just like abound oh. in all these ways. He's like, you just do stuff I don't expect. 
What did she do? Do you remember they're walking down the street and she yeah. like called? She's like, "Oh my God, you're Bobby Deerfield!" And oh, then yeah, everyone yeah. like rushes him and signs him autographs, and she's just like, "Bye," and slips out. It's like peace, <laughs> uh, but she gives him that good feeling because like, because they made a bet about walking a hundred feet and him getting recognized if he like took off his glasses and. She ditches him to go on a balloon ride. Yes. She ditches him to go on a fucking balloon <laughs> After ride. having sex. With some weird guy she met in a field. Oh, yeah. yeah. How does it end? And is it a love story? It definitely is a love story. It's listed as drama romance. Do you remember that... Uh, he is cheating on his wife. <gasps> yeah. He is? I thought they may have had an arrangement. Yeah, the arrangement uh, is you're a famous driver and you're going to cheat on me. Oh, did she say that? She's like, I expect this or something. No, God, this movie is just a whole of. Oh moment. no, but there there is some conversation around that. You're right, and that's but not. I his... remember there was something. Yeah, is that his wife though? Because she's like a weird like. Oh model yeah, yeah, yeah. Lady who, like... I think she works for him too, right? Yes, that's. She right. said. She said. <laughs> we watched this. I movie. don't. <laughs> well, it only gets a five point eight, and I think we're un- unearthing some of the reasons. She yeah. said. You know, it's not, it's not that you cheat on me that bothers me. Mm. It's that you fucking lied about it. Mm, yeah, you shouldn't. Because she's like having open conversations about like other lovers. Um, I don't know. If if that's his wife, like I guess I'm thrown off a little bit. I thought that was maybe like more of just his steady. I didn't think it was his wife either. But it could have been. Well, he certainly doesn't act like that. <laughs> he does not. <laughs> no, but I, I, I peg him as a kind of an honest person, so it sucks, you know. But, but he's he totally lying about it. Yeah. full on lies to her. Like she's like, I figured you out. My friends have seen you fucking around with this girl. Yeah. Like, and he's like, "What? I don't know what you're talking about." <laughs> like, just like really bad. Badly lies to her. Yeah, and she's it, like, when she obviously has ridiculous. all the fucking, she knows everything. He's like, you're busted. Just like, mm-hmm. say it. I had a good time watching this movie. It's funny. I, I did have, too. I have no memory of it, but it was fun thinking that it was one of those like drive kind of things where people expected an action racing movie, and it was just like people having dinner talking about their feelings. You know? <laughs> yeah, and so I thought that was fun, but I'm realizing it has other problems i have no memory of the plot i I really she was dying are you sure that's like central to the movie is it yes Yes. they had dinner they have like a whole do you remember that there's a scene where like they're almost at the hospital and they stop and another couple is like hey would you take our picture or whatever yeah i remember that and then they, they take it uh he takes their picture and he's like Hey, how about we take your picture and give me your address? I'll send it to you or yes. whatever. And like, it's funny because like, like he's this That's famous driver who everyone knows, but they don't recognize him at all. And she's dying, and it's not like this happy moment for them. Mm-hmm. It's sort of, but they their their whole relationship at that point is like, he knows she's dying and is like all caught up in her. Is like, well, I'm seeing this out. I'm gonna. Mm-hmm. Go through it. Yeah. He's doing the right thing, which is another reason he shouldn't be lying to his partner or whatever. Right. And his partner, I, I do remember that. They do have, like, a realization moment where, like, he, like, yeah. tells her, like, well, this is what's happening. Just need like, to see it again. She's mm. like, duh. 
<laughs> no, but I think the dying part hadn't hadn't come out yet, and so she kind of like just you know washes her hands of it and is like, all right, like I don't know. Isn't she the one who tells him? Oh, she is. I think you're right. Holy shit. Hmm. Shit, I didn't remember. <laughs> <laughs> I sorry. Like this film this was movie. riveting. There's not <laughs> we'll never be... forget it. <laughs> I don't know too many fans of this movie. It well, it's not like, like a well known for being the worst Al Pacino movie, and I don't think it should have that. You have a very competent director. I think it's filmed well. Yeah, you know it. It it does what it sets out to do. It's but beautiful. I, yeah, yeah. Again. I had a good time watching it. I would watch it again in a couple years. <laughs> yeah, it's not a bad movie. It's just not great. Yeah, I gave it a seven, but I'm like, oh, maybe a six something. Yeah, I actually I will probably land right where, where you're at, like seven, but I could go down. Yeah. It reminds me of like a really People hate it so slow... much, I'd be like, just watch it. It's not that bad. It reminds me of a really slow vis- version of that movie we watched with Maggie Smith. Um, Which one? We where she travels was, with my aunt. Travels with my aunt, mm-hmm. yeah. With mm-hmm. Lou Gossett Jr.? Yeah. That was a much better movie. That was a much better movie, but it's also <laughs> like, you know, it, it, it had a lot of things that this movie... I mean, it had like but... a lot of flowing action or, or, or dialogue where this is much more like... Yeah emotion through shots and things like that and it didn't disappoint too much as a Sidney Pollock film so yeah. I was like okay it doesn't doesn't tarnish my image of him too much something horrible doesn't happen in it it's <laughs> nothing too horrible so we just reviewed The Electric Horseman which I like we just showcased yeah. Jeremiah Johnson which I love uh, did you score this one Victor? I don't believe you did mm. thumbs there <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's like I, I have thumbs. Up. <laughs> I have thumbs. <laughs> I'm aware of thumbs. <laughs> well, when we were watching it, I was like, some of the reasons that I was kind of like, well, I'm like with Bobby Deerfield, but it's because I see him as, as Sal, yeah, you know, or Sonny. Sorry, not not Sal. I see him as Sonny yelling Attica, and you know, I see him as Serpico. You know, <laughs> it's like. Come on, Al. And we just did And Justice for All, too. I mean, mm-hmm. the acting isn't bad in this movie. Of Not at all. No. We're Not reviewing all. another movie that she's in in a second. What was her name? Did you say her name? I did. And what uh, is it? She's Martha Keller. No. Or is she I thought Annie it was Dupree. Claudia Jennings. We're going to have to regroup. I thought she's Claudia Jennings. Well, she's one of those two. You didn't say Claudia Jennings, did you? No, I said Martha Keller or Annie Dupree. Oh, I thought Claudia Jennings is is who cuz it's the same woman that's in the the uh the Black Sunday movie and she's in Bobby Deerfield and she's in uh Fast Company and her name is Claudia Jennings. Uh it's <laughs> it's not. That's not who you're. Who's hey, you next. can pause it. It's pause Martha it for Keller. a second. I'm looking at it right now. I know, but I need to figure out who this person is because it's central to my thing. All right, just give it a quick. Like, I'm not gonna pause it. Okay, so and it's Marthy, right? There's an E at the end. It's there, not Marthy. Yeah, there is an E at the end. Right? And she's in Fedora, another movie that we're. I'm. We're, 
I think I'm reviewing next. Ha-ha! I think we're ready. Yeah. I think we're ready to move on. Okay. Uh, Fedora, 1978. We've moved up a year. <laughs> this is a, a, a late 70s review, and it's never on purpose, but, um, you know, uh, we're going through these movies, and... Um, Oh, well, I'll just start, because I think it's in here, what I'm trying to say. Fedora, 1978. Fedora was directed by a huge classic director. Um, I wrote Classic D, and that's funny, because it <laughs> makes me think of Dick. <laughs> classic director and writer, Billy Wilder. Uh, he also wrote uh, this screenplay. And I started like Fedora. looking at a lot of his other movies, and there was some... He had done, God, my phone keeps turning on and it's distracting my eyes. Go to the phone and you've got to check Instagram. And oh my God. Um, <laughs> I was like, uh, is he another closeted director? Because uh, he did Some Like It Hot and um, he did that uh, Lost Weekend, that alcoholic movie. And there's a lot of like, be like, you know, that character was closetedly gay and so was the director gay. And they talk about a long time like roommate he had, but it wasn't like, he never, ever came out, so it's not listed as, you know, he was a gay director, but it maybe he was. Um, he was born June 22nd, 1906. He died March 27th, 2002. He was 95. Wow. Uh, we'll see him in the front page, 1974, coming soon. He directed some of the best films ever. Boom. Sunset Boulevard. Uh, that's one of my favorites, and 1 to 3, 1961, Sunset Boulevard was 1950. He did The Apartment, 1960, Some Like It Hot, uh, 1959, Witness for the Prosecution, 1957, Sabrina, 1954, Stalig 17, these are all awesome movies, 1953, The Lost Weekend, 1945, and Double Indemnity, 1945. All amazing films, and then we have this. Okay, first, totally from memory. Uh-oh, Fedora. This may sting. Uh, maybe plot will flow out like diarrhea once I start. Here it goes. There's a lady actor who's a total diva and unstable. She cannot leave or go anywhere. William Holden must meet her and give her a script. There are two or three butts who always show up to re-enslave Fedora. Fedora. Uh, Fedora is played by the woman from Black Sunday, whose name is beyond me right now. Okay, so Holden keeps trying to figure this shit out. And at the end of the picture, he does. I think someone dies and all is revealed at a funeral home. I'm pretty sure the reveal is a big spoiler. Fedora. Uh, I like this. It's good. Run with it. I've been running for a long time. Uh, but was kind of obvious, though not really for me. And damn, what a fucked up thing to do to someone for fame. Or did she volunteer? I know there's more to it, but I think this is good enough for now. Okay, before I get to the plot checkers, that's you two. Almost sounds like I said plop. You guys are the plot plop checkers. Plop checkers. Um, plop checkers in here, uh, and we discussed this thing. I want to say that Marthy Keller, 1945, was in Bobby Deerfield, duh. This is our Marthy deep dive. We will see her again in Marathon Man, 1976. Mm. The Countess 
was played by hot German actress Hildegard Kneff. Oh, Doesn't yeah. sound German at all. <laughs> uh, she was December 28th, 1925, a Capricorn like you, Victory, hmm. uh, and died February 1st, 2002. She was 76. She was also a very famous singer and has a song in Tom of Finland. So wow. when I looked her up to see yes. her connected with Tom of Finland, I was like, what? <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, William Holden was in Network. Uh, Sunset Boulevard, Towering Inferno, uh, William Holden, uh, 1918 to 1981. He was 63. Uh, mm. William Holden's in etc. 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 William Holden repeatedly bled to death in his Santa Monica apartment after drunkenly lacerating his forehead Oof. while slipping on a rug and hitting a bedside table. Oh, what? Yeah. Also, Jose Ferrer was good in this, playing Dr. Vando. (laughs) And, of course, the dozen-age billing lady from the hospital, Frances Sternhagen, (laughs) played Miss Balfour, January 13th, 1930. Going to see more of her. Let's rock. (laughs) What did I miss in the plot? (laughs) Okay, everything. Well, no, you didn't miss much except for the main fucking points. They just had dinner. <laughs> <laughs> so if you remember, he is he's there to pitch a, a plot to her or, or, a, or a, a screen uh, play to her, right? Because he, he's trying yeah. to put together a movie. But my favorite part of this story is this little gem he drops and, and only says it once and then just bye, which was... I borrowed the money to come here and tell you this from my ex-wife. Because <laughs> he's just out on his life. He doesn't have a plan, and he shows up because no. he, he's just. But like he was a, a fan, didn't he? Meet her as a kid. He was or like a or? assistant director. They, on a yeah, they worked okay. together. Yeah. And they oh, and did they had a model affair, tea, Yeah. And he fell asleep on the beach. Mm-hmm. A long, long time ago. So it's not just I want to give you this script or there's a part for you. He, you know, he knows her, but like he's got some someone who's saying they're going to give him a bunch of money if they can get. Okay, Fedora. Not to do too much of a spoiler, and it's but weird. Is it Fedora? Yeah, that's Actually. what I'm saying. Is that like that whole fucking thing was like? I know both of you. I think saw it coming. I didn't yeah. so much because it was just like what. And why? And that that poor kid. And I'm a little fuzzy on how she died. Did she commit suicide? Didn't she get hit by a car? Okay, so mom's plastic surgery, her like pursuit to like be young forever or whatever (laughs) backfires and her face is horribly disfigured. And, Oof. you know, everybody wants to give her Lifetime Achievement Awards and all this stuff. And she's like, no, I'm not going out in public ever again. And then... Enter. The daughter. <laughs> and the daughter looks just like her. And the daughter's like, mm. I'll do it. And then... Suddenly, for some reason, everyone has decided that she is now Fedora forever. Mm-hmm. And well, she starts getting on acting parts, right? Ever, Yeah. Like, cannot ever get out of it because it will reveal her mother's terrible secret that she is disfigured and the press will hound her forever. 
But the poor kid, I mean, what we're seeing in the mm-hmm. beginning where she can't go anywhere, there's all these three people that keep showing up and well, she's losing oh, she's, her shit. She's well, losing her shit, too. Well, okay. but also the um, the kid is a secret because she's, she's born out of wedlock. Oh, yeah. The, mm-hmm. the so the kid the has child, to be yeah. a secret to begin with. So it would be like a double scandal. Like, not only has she had this illegitimate child, but also... Her face is disfigured. She yeah. would be like, and it was plastic surgery disaster. Yeah, it was mm-hmm. Doctor Vando. Doctor Vando, competently acted by Jose Ferrer. Uh, you asked how she died. This is good. Okay. Is, she copied the script. She copied she read the, the script. script. She read the script, <laughs> and everyone was like, "This script sucks. No one would kill themselves like this." Oh yeah, yeah. And then she killed herself like, like this. <laughs> she doesn't say that. Her mother mom says, says that, that no because that herself. would be stupid. Because it mm-hmm. would you would leave an ugly corpse. Yep. Ugh. But she loved the play or the the screenplay and was really excited about doing it. Kind of maybe just so she could see what's his dick again. You don't have to die. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> Logan Thrawn, why can't I think of his name now? The guy from Cabaret. What's his yes. Name? And then later mm-hmm. was and in he religious plays films. What? He does play he himself. Plays himself. Yeah, that's movie. fine. And they put up too many pictures of him in her room. <laughs> yes. Why can't I think of his name? It doesn't matter. Yeah, it'll come. But uh, what do you think? What do you think of this movie? I liked this movie. It was weird. Yeah, oh, yeah. definitely weird. But not Medusa Touch weird. Yeah. Yeah, I liked it better than Medusa. It pulled back from but there. But Medusa Touch is I fun. Liked, I like that it had like a, a 30s feel to it. Yeah. Like it had a thir- sort of like, 30s drama. Well, you even guessed. You were like, is that kind of done like an old director or something? <laughs> like, yeah, it's a classic director. But it still has a 70s well, feel to it. But it has, it has those same like magnificent shots, you know, of like, mm. you know, framing like something, like an old building or something like that. And, and it's almost a character in the film, you know, all these like grand shots of beautiful villas and, and boat rides and things like that. And, uh, it was, it was lovely. I, I liked it a lot. I thought it's, it was a lot of fun. It's lovely. And just like the, the plot itself, the story is just a very like 1930s. Mm-hmm. It's like something that people would probably be over in 1978 when this movie was made. <sighs> Michael York. <laughs> I had to look. I'm like, it's going to come to me. It was also in the Three Musketeers or the Four Musketeers or he's in everything. Both of them, yeah. Yeah. Uh, what was the last thing you just said? It doesn't matter. It's on the tape. Yeah. I'll listen. Yeah. I'm a listener too. I love our podcast. <laughs> I know. We're the only Patreons. <laughs> yeah, that's right. We do put money into it. That's very true. Put a lot um, of money into it. I don't know what I gave this, but I don't think I would give it an eight. But definitely a more thumbs up seven than Bobby Deerfield. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Because I liked it. I think it was yeah. weird, but it also gave me some feels. I was just worried about that poor kid and then... Yeah. What was the deal with William Holden anyway? I don't know if he was cast wrong or his role wasn't great. It was just a little like, what are you doing? What look? What are you doing? He just <laughs> has a little obsession that he's like, he's yeah, he's, he's carrying like, forward. 
he got that Did good hookup. Did he talk to the guy that worked at the hotel diesel. or something? <gasps> Didn't yes. the, guy, the guy like knew everything or something? Everything. Yes. Well, because it's like a small town built around like yeah, but vacationing he was like, or super rich he was people like, Tell who have me, villas. I got you. And yeah, I remember liking that character. I I didn't figure out. I didn't write write down who that actor was, but I liked his character. A he lot. was great in it. He was just always like, I can help you with that. Yeah. But there's gonna be a cost. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you can die in here. But there'll be a cost. Oh, yeah. Does this have AC? Let me turn on the AC. <laughs> yeah, it's just a fucking fan. <laughs> he's from a film company. He's like, ooh, the penthouse is for you. And he's like, we're an independent company. He's like, okay. Oh. Yeah. That was really good. <laughs> and he just so gets it. He you have always. a writer-director here, so I think the writing was, was pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, it was. I, I would also give this a seven, and f- I, I could go up or down on it depending on probably the day, but yeah, that seems fine. Yeah, I feel that I would give this a seven point. Oh, I did. I wrote 7.4. It gets a 6.8, which I think was a little low. Yeah. Uh, so I would do 7.4. Uh, if you're ready to move on to first, Victory, to figure out what it stands for. <laughs> yeah. Um, also, my rating for the last movie. Yeah. Is, um... I knew you hadn't rated it yet. I knew too, but that's <laughs> fine. We move around. So. Um, is it thumbs up? Yeah. Okay, I did. Yeah. Um. All right. The so sound of a fist. Fist. <laughs> um. This 1978 film, directed by Norman Jewison and produced by Gene Corman. Uh, explores the dangerous and complex ethical minefield of labor organizing in the 20th century through a fictional truckers union called Federation of Interstate Truckers. Oh, yeah. Uh, Inspired from the Teamsters and Jimmy Hoffa. Uh, Johnny Kovac, played by Sylvester Stallone, is cherry-picked from a warehouse worker's wildcat strike to work as a labor organizer for a truckers union. Uh, facing extreme right-wing violence from private mercenaries hired by the company during a strike, Kovac turns to offers of protection from a mafia, which wins the campaign. However, this uneasy relationship ties up the union in owing increasingly risky favors, uh, eventually leading to a critical turning point and an infamous trial. Uh, other starring actors include Rod Steiger, um, Peter Boyle, Melinda Dillon, Tony LoBianco, and interestingly, Anthony Kiedis makes a brief cameo appearance as Kovac's son. Really? <laughs> really? <laughs> you always got these great gems. I think you're just making them up and it's dropping great. them. In. I would like to have our podcast never painted by mention of anybody involved with the Red Hot Chili. <laughs> And now that's ruined, but it's something I never thought I would have to state publicly. But it's okay, it's part of the trivia, but just to also get on the tape, the Red Hot Chili Peppers suck. And I hate it when people sing their songs in uh, karaoke. It's not as bad as Fucker Gently by Tenacious D, but oh, that Under the Boardwalk, or just, oh, I, I don't like it. Under, isn't that Under the Bridge? Whatever. Under the Boardwalk. Under, under the, the Boardwalk. <laughs> we were making love. I can't even say the title right. Ah! <laughs> no, they're fine. It's annoying. Really? White guy funk. That's crazy. Kid. Yep. Hey, oh, this is my kid. That's my Sylvester. And Stone we had the, the bangles in Stony Island. Yeah. <laughs> I 
the drummer for Soundgarden. Uh, this movie's <laughs> incredibly relevant for absolutely right now with the truckers. Oh my gosh, yeah. Yeah, if you haven't well, watched... kind of, except for that has nothing to do with the Union, and the Union has disavowed it. Yeah, I'm just saying the the problems with truckers right now and not getting paid enough, so it's incredibly... Oh, that part. Paid yeah, absolutely. I thought you meant the weird anti-vaxxer thing that the Republicans were organizing. No, <laughs> no, know what that is. I mean, I, I know it's out there, but no, it's, it's truckers. It's a recent John Oliver. Come on, we're current, everybody. That's right. I mean, three episodes back is the most recent. It's current. Ever, but it's yeah. current enough. Yeah, it's recent means recent. Yeah. Bastard, why don't you just massage a foot? Oh, I'm massaging a foot. <laughs> we're not massaging feet. We're in a hot tub right now. Yep. <laughs> I listened to a podcast that were like, we're, we do a, we, they did a podcast in the bath. <laughs> and it was just like, they spin the wheel to do different podcasts. One, they're drunk, and another one. And they had one where they were in a bath the whole time. Oh, Jesus. It's going to get cold, and it's going to suck. <laughs> yeah. You got, you got five to ten minutes of He tries to awesome. add hot, wa- hot water, and it was just like, my apartment, it takes forever. And it's an old house. And so he's like, cold water's coming. That was a dumb idea. <laughs> <laughs> so, no, we're not in a hot tub. Hot tub will be better than a bath that gets cold. Oh, yeah. yeah. I would yeah. do a hot tub podcast yeah. with y'all. <laughs> That'd be fun. But yeah, with, with truckers need to get paid more. And I, I liked all that aspect of this movie. Yeah. yeah. The, the, all the labor organizing stuff was great. Actually, most of the stuff in this movie was great. I mean, Another I, director I don't know how those. historical like each point in this is. But it felt like the, the, this caught like the major arching themes of like uh, the organizational effort. And like where... Do you remember... Go on. Uh, just where they sort of like had those massive hiccups, like when they when they went against their own like values and whatnot. Um, it seemed like that was. I understand out. some of it, and they take you through it. Like the mob has the muscle or whatever; they can get us to where we need to go, and we have to get there. They got the push. Yeah, they got the fucking push. Do you <laughs> remember the actual points in the meeting? Is like you wanted seven three. I got you seven three. No, he's like, I got you eight. Eight. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that whole scene was just gold. It was- and a lot of the, I mean, it was really well made, and I'm glad that they were able to throw some money at this, you know, in the big crowd scenes. Yeah, yeah, I I feel like it was it was a fair treatment of mm. a potentially very controversial subject, right? Mm-hmm. Like, um, you know, they were characterized as so criminal and stuff like that, but but when you really look at it, it's like you don't really have a whole lot of choice mm-hmm. right you can let the bosses kill you yeah because they're allowed to murder people or <laughs> you can fight back uh fight back the other thing i thought was interesting about this movie is it was like super long wasn't it wasn't this like three hours or did it just feel it like three it was three hours. hours hold on hold on two hours and 25 minutes it's not that Oh, this is way shorter than I thought it but was. But the other interesting thing is that uh, the 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 main lead, the uh, woman lead, uh, Melinda Dillon, is the woman who put, used all the glue <laughs> <laughs> on purpose in A Christmas Story. That's right, she did. And she's also in Close Encounters, so we'll see her then. <laughs> but it's just, you know, she'll be forever. They play that thing 24 hours or 48 hours around Christmas time. Right. So I will remember her as 
the glue lady. <laughs> she didn't like the electric sex in the window. She didn't. <laughs> uh, what does this movie get? It gets a... I'm just on Melinda Dillon. They didn't rate Melinda Dillon. The movie was a 6-4. I would definitely rate it higher than that. Norman Jewison, we did... Jesus Christ Superstar, uh, he did Rollerball, we are going to do Fiddler on the Roof. Yeah. It's too political. Uh, <laughs> There's politics in there. We're going to bring Dennis Dredd to do our podcast with him. <laughs> <laughs> to do our podcast. Uh, I would give this, I think I'm on a seven kind of day, because like, everything's landing in my seven territory, because I've... I give like, this an eight because it gets six point four. I'm like, yeah, watch it. I think it was very good. Oh yeah, you a lot of people look at a Sylvester it. Stallone movie and they're like, yeah. And his acting, I don't think is wonderful. In but it. that's that's just not He's fair because a lot of Sylvester Stallone. Oh Jesus, I it's fucked right. that up. I liked what you made, Stermone. <laughs> oh, I heard Stermone. <laughs> Stermone. Uh, but I mean, he he's in a lot of really good movies. You know, they were originally gonna fucking cast Jack Nicholson. Yeah, who who later played Hoffa in Hoffa? Oh Which, wow! Oh my god, that would have just changed the whole fucking tone of the movie. I love. Like, he's just like so creepy sounding all the time. Like he would have made him a supervillain instead of like <laughs> a complex character, like Sylvester Stallone made him out to be. Yeah, I mean, he played Jimmy Hoffa in Hoffa, and I really didn't think he was creepy. I loved him in that. I saw it in Florida with a bunch of friends, and it was one of it was one of the first times, if not the first time, that I'm watching a movie and they had this like labor thing, and people started getting hurt really bad. Maybe some of them got shot, and I started fucking crying, and oh, I whoa. wanted to not be crying among my bros or whatever. And I was just like, oh oh, <laughs> and I was just like, why is this getting to me? It's just a, you know, because it's just a movie about Jimmy Hoffa, and I didn't expect the scene. Maybe it was with the music; they had strings or something. Yeah, it was just like, oh shit. <laughs> it super emotional me. and it was getting really bad ratings and it was just like but it just got me <laughs> and so I won't forget that <laughs> he's a good actor maybe we'll watch it at some point it's not a 70s movie no <laughs> I think it was 90s 91 late isn't it no because I saw it when I lived in Florida oh. around the time I saw The Crying Game so it was the same theater that I saw Crying Game Interesting. I thought that and came out so later. it had to be somewhere between 1991 and 1995. Maybe it just came to my local Blockbuster, wouldn't it? Uh, much later because of its poor reviews or something. Let's hear it for your local Blockbuster. Are you, uh, you want to rate this one? Didn't I? I gave well, it a You seven. did, but Victory didn't. Uh, thumbs up. Yeah. Anything else on that? No, I think we've... I've blown my fist load. <laughs> <laughs> um, Fast Company, 1979. <laughs> the other racing movie. <laughs> yeah, it was funny when you were like, this is my favorite racing movie. I was like, dude, I really liked this racing movie. <laughs> of course you did. <laughs> but I liked them both. I like movies that people can sit around and have dinner and uh, talk for two hours. Okay, so if I'm being completely honest, my favorite racing movie is Talladega Nights. Oh, good Jesus. <laughs> You're out. You're out. <laughs> Go wait in your RV until we're done. As proper cinemaphiles that aren't going to mention Talladega Nights. I liked Talladega Nights, but that had uh, Borat in it. <laughs> it did. Oh my God, moving on. <laughs> Talladega Nights is fine. Will Ferrell and what's his name? From uh, 
from Step Brothers. Oh, no, Ricky Bobby. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. That guy, the Boogie Nights guy. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, that's where I was actually trying to go. Uh, Boogie Nights. Fast Company, nineteen seventy nine. Okay, I'd like to come on here and neatly say that this normal seventies car racing flick is David Cronenberg's directorial debut, but it is not. It's even in the middle of his four. Horrorish Picks, Shivers, 1975, Rabbit, 1977, This, and then Brood, which we recently reviewed, and Scanners, 1981. It makes this even weirder, which is kind of cool, because he's the weird (laughs) Canadian director. Um, Was it for the dough, or to see if he could do a normal picture, or does he love racing? I like the mystery, (laughs) so moving on. I didn't like read a review where he explained why he made Fast Company. I like... (laughs) Let's just keep the mystique on that one. <laughs> Moving on to the plot. Lucky Lonnie Johnson is a very popular drag racing dude. He's seasoned. And he is employed by the Not STP Oil Company. I think they're called Fast Company or Fast Oil or Gear Shifters. I don't know, something like that. Fastco? Fastco. Okay, that's good. Fastco. And he is employed by the Not STP Oil Company. And tours with his young Padawan, Billy the Kid Brooker. Uh, or broker, I don't know. These hick mechanics try to go fast brew? What? I don't know. Oh, try a go fast... Oh, okay. These hick mechanics try a go fast <laughs> brew, and Lucky Lonnie blows up real good. You got that alcohol mix above 87%. Yeah, but he's fine because he's seasoned and lucky. But his car is fucking toast and money-grubbing sleaze John Saxon says, uh, fuck the kid, you drive the funny. Uh, funny car. Uh, which is going to hurt the kid who has worked hard. He is pissed off. Sleaze Saxon tries to pimp out his partner uh, who declines his bullshit and is fired. They eventually seek vengeance against corporate greed and even fix Saxon for good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> also, Saxon works with these no morals mechanics who just don't understand the fair play sport of alcohol funny cars. <laughs> also, everyone drinks several distant different brands of cheap beer. I have more to say. What? Constantly. Constantly. (laughs) Stars, uh, ha ha ha, John Saxon, 1936. uh, July, oh, stars, ha ha ha, because like the acting isn't the best, but it's fine, whatever. Uh, John Saxon died in July of 2020. He was 83. I'm like, COVID? But it says pneumonia. More Saxon to come for us. William Smith plays Lucky Lonnie. 1933-2021, uh, he was 88. He was in Twilight's Last Gleaming. Yeah. 1977, The Outsiders, 83. I think he was in, like, the, like, the posh gang. There was, like, you know, the the people, um, the working class families, and then there was, like, the rich people. I think they were even called the Socias. The Socias. And I think he was, like, the representing the old Socias, which... Um, Oh, what's the name of the fucking dance instructor? Patrick uh, Swayze. Patrick Swayze plays the leader, and it's yeah. like this Lonnie guy is way older, and it's just like, well, what's with this 60-year-old dude? <laughs> it's just funny. Uh, I'm just an angry teen. Yeah, here I am. Uh, he's in uh, Conan, 1982, to name a few. Claudia Jennings, uh, December 20th, 1949, to October 3rd, 1979, plays Sammy. 
We'll see her in Death Sport, The Man Who Fell to Earth, and The Great Texas Dynamite Chase, 1976. Gee whiz. So she loved cocaine and stuff, and it affects her career. So she sobers up to get on track, then falls asleep at the wheel in her VW convertible, has a header with a van on Topanga Canyon Boulevard, and dies. Oof. She was 29 years old. Uh, the thing I read on so IMDb... just kept ripping that cocaine? Well, it was saying that she got sober, and also I think she was in a bad relationship, and she's moving her stuff out of the guy's house and mm. then falls asleep at the wheel. So I'm like, is there some funny business involved in that? Right. I don't know. But it's just way too young to go, and she was the star in this. What do you all think of Fast Company? Uh, do you remember the part where he... <laughs> has had intercourse with those two girls and they're driving along and he's like talking about nonsense basically and then pours <laughs> oil all over the lady's tits. Oh God, yes. Why did that happen? <laughs> <laughs> what I remember is I'm like, you know, all excited to enter into this world of racing and like my good friend who comes from Gresham who should know a lot of the technical terms doesn't know all the tech. You knew some. You enough. I don't. I could have. You're from Gresham. I don't know. There were some things about the making of the alcohol, and I don't know. I had questions. Yeah. I would like to be sitting with an actual auto racer if I ever watched those <laughs> damn movies. You think again. that, but right? You <laughs> Twenty minutes that? in, you'd be like, "Get out of get here! Out of here! How did you get in?" <laughs> you said you wanted to talk about racing. Yeah, that's done. We're done with that. This movie talks too much about fucking racing, honestly. I had a blast watching this movie. Yeah. I, I had a great time, but I think it's a it's a fun kind of thing. And part of the fun is that it's David Cronenberg who made all these weird movies. It's just like, what? This is just a straight racing movie. It's just it's like a nerdcore straight racing movie. Yeah. Yeah. It it reminds it what was that stupid uh uh helicopter scene? No, 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 no. Yes, but uh, that movie we watched was James Taylor, where he's like a race car guy. It seemed like this movie was what they were going for. Oh, God, Tulane Blacktop. Tulane Blacktop, because that was like a bore fest, and they didn't even talk about cars all that much. They were just in them all the time, driving slowly and not talking. And this one, they're like, oh, you got to get the mixture right. Oh, you got to get your fucking... Oh, my God. You're insufferable, you nerds. Oh, I thought the music in this was a lot of fun. Yeah, the music in this was it's a lot of fun. good, fun 70s movie, and there's a lot of beer drinking. Not Bruce Springsteen. Not, <laughs> Not Bruce Springsteen. Very correct, 100%. Uh, what did I give this? It doesn't, doesn't say. I would give this a 7. <laughs> It's one of those things where it's like, it's not great, but I think if you're with friends, and we say that a lot, if you're with friends, or if you're doing a little, or something, you know, you have some gummies, I don't know. I, I had think a blast. seven's a bit high. Yeah, seriously. Well, yeah, but, but, but not for me. I, I stand by the seven, because I had a ball, and I'm good. I had fun with to you To be guys. true to my feelings, I had a lot of fun. <laughs> but, like, if I if I had to watch this movie by myself... I would be asleep, probably. Like I watched it by myself, and I was not asleep. I had a lot of fun, too. I mean, by myself. I was holding two cats. You know. We had a ball. Uh, do you give this thumbs up, Hickory? Yeah. Yeah. Ish. But maybe watch it with friends. <laughs> this is it's like... like right on the line. 
Yeah, this is like a 5-7 for me. <laughs> Maybe a 6-3. It's a 70s movie that I would endorse. You can watch this. Nothing yeah, there's nothing super wrong. horrible is going to happen. And I really like your the therapist lady, like, uh, True. the the actress in this, like enforcing mm. her boundaries. Yeah, I like that. Like too. that scene was then I'm fucking fantastic. Fired. Yeah, you need to do this. No, Mm-mm. no, you have to do this. No, I don't. Well, you're fired. Then I'm fired. Fuck you. Yeah. Well, and then that's put in the mix to when they get revenge. She should have been involved in the revenge. I don't know if she was, but I mean, it seemed like it. Kind of. Yeah. There's I mean, much- they. Straight up fucking kill sex. <laughs> it's just like they drink a beer in the movie ends. They fucking kill him. Yep. <laughs> I mean, Uh-oh. to be fair, I think he was trying to... He tried all... to kill them. Yeah, correct. So, he I did mean, try to kill that them. That whole back and forth sabotage thing. Well, I, maybe he did kill uh, the other guy. The, what was the, the black... Well, there was that himself? whole evil mechanics and well, evil mechanic. The other guy was oh, that's cool, right? Yeah, it was cool. One guy was know. outrageously angry all the time for <laughs> there was some see, yeah, they're things gonna fight. I don't understand. He gives him a sip why. of his beer and then they start fighting again. It's like what? Yeah, I like that one guy. He just like doesn't make any sense that he's so <laughs> mad about anything. Yeah, he's just like got a thumb up his ass or something. He, he's what it's like in the they, world they of racing. They don't give him proper motives for oh, anything no the uh announcer guy i liked him too that was kind of fun oh yeah the guy in the booth who's, just, who's uh, killing it yeah killing it he's having a beer in the booth <laughs> he reminded me of uh harry carey who was usually drunk when he was doing the uh <laughs> the, the baseball stuff and seriously legit drunk yeah. There's scenes that we've watched where it's him and Bill Murray and they're both fucking wasted. <laughs> and they're talking about baseball. And he would just let Bill Murray come into the booth anytime. And he's just been watching the, the Cubs game and drinking and they're just they're both drunk. It's just funny. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny to me. If you want to watch. Like, uh LAFC matches <laughs> with Will Ferrell. Who's an owner of uh, LAFC. Yeah. Interesting. Just talks nonsense. LAFC. So he gets drunk Luffk? and just gets to go on the broadcast sometimes. <laughs> yeah. With his like 900 fucking weird kids behind yeah. him. Whoa. <laughs> uh, moving on. Uh, this is our final official film. We also watched a documentary about Alan Carr that I think we're going to dip into for a hot second because we recently did Grease and it's a, a little bit of an appendix to that. This is Return of the Secaucus. Seven, directed by John Sayles. Um, when I moved to town, I lived uh, with this woman, Mariah, who I eventually had a kid with, and we're still friends, and it's her birthday today. Happy birthday! Uh, she lives in Juneau, Alaska, and she's like, will you see with this movie with me? No one will see this movie. And it was at this theater, and we were like one of like ten people in the theater. It was a movie called Limbo, but the house she grew up in was in this movie. Oh, wow. And that director, John Sayles, uh, frequently films in Juneau. And uh, he did Brother from Another Planet, which is a fucking amazing movie. He did Eight Man Out, and he did uh, a bunch of other independent movies that are really good that I'm kind of spacing on now. But um, Brother from Another Planet is excellent. Tens across the board, but it, uh, unfortunately it's an 80s movie, so I don't know when we're going to get to it. But this is his first film, The Return of the Secaucus 7, and I think you... Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm gonna wing this. Somewhat one. agreed to give us plot. Yeah, I I, I was, trust you that you'll do okay. I was voluntold. 
Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I think you're the right person for the job. No, we just watched this. It's fine. I'm gonna I'm gonna do my best to wrap this one up. Um, do a bad job for fun. <laughs> so there was like guy, and they and... had dinner. <laughs> <laughs> You actually gave us a really good like uh, synopsis of it earlier on, where you're like, "It's like the ice storm, but without the key party," which is basically accurate. Oh, the big like, chill or the big chill. I was like, "Why did they go to the ice storm?" A Sigourney uh, Weaver, and one of the characters vaguely looks like Sigourney <laughs> Weaver. <laughs> I put it together, but it was like it's it's a story of friends coming back together who didn't grow up like some of them grew up together but most of them grew into each other through college and through like other like interests uh, sports leftist things politics, like that kinda. and yeah a lot of ele- le- leftist politics as things were sort of going on and they're all coming back together in uh this person like this small town that at least one of them is uh grew up in um, yeah and one of them is still living in and they've rented Ron. yeah <laughs> sorry ron They've rented a, like a, a not big enough place for everybody, but they're excited to be there. And people are coming is it from rented all or over. Is that just their? They house said they rented of, it. Oh, okay. okay. They said they it's rented it. Like a punk it. house. It is like a lot like a punk house. Um, yeah. Uh, this this disparate group of friends come back together and they're having a good time. They're reminiscing. They're playing a little volleyball. Right. Uh, and an independent all... director films it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They've all sort of aged out of activists or being accepted in activist circles or whatever and, and they're literally one guy talking is still a about social worker he works at a method 30 company. yeah that's yeah. funny which is a really Ooh. funny like oh we're so old and this lady's going on about oh i just can't do it anymore and she's like you're 27 like i don't know what you can't do like but they're yeah. having they have like the biggest meeting in the world over this guy turning 30 and having a cake for him um I just realized they never fucking followed up. No, they just put it in the free nope. fridge and <laughs> no, not not that they never they couldn't find the guy and there's this he has this heroin the whole time. Yeah, and he was sad and I thought maybe he had you know done something drastic and the movie just ends. Well, that's why I was like it just ended. Yeah, because <laughs> you don't like, get to know. He just leaves a note and ditches. Yeah, he left a note that sounded vaguely like a suicide note. It was just yeah. like, I am sorry, and was yeah. weirdly carrying around a lot of heroin that he doesn't do. No, but he works at a methadone clinic, and one of his patients or whatever was like, you know, here, you take it. You know, I, I don't do it anymore or something. Yeah, which is weird. Weird. And um, it's weird that he keeps around. And yeah, because a weird thing. I can tell you, as a social worker, I've been given things before by clients. And, and you have them in your pocket right now. I don't have them in my pocket. I don't carry them around as keepsakes. Like, oh, here's the drugs. Well, here's the knife that you have. I mean, I'm not talking about you're... gifts, but like... You're also not a middle class white guy. Like you don't take for granted that no one's gonna come and pat you down and search you, oh even if God. you get arrested. They get arrested, yeah, correct. And then, he's like, "Where'd you put it?" The, the more like gets it guy, right? Where'd you put it? Oh, it's just what, in my pocket. What the heroin? Oh yeah, it's just my. I totally forgot. Oh God, Jesus Christ! You're lucky you're white. We're all lucky we're white. <laughs> and that was in one of the guy's songs. Yep. Uh, yeah. But I mean, it, it shouldn't have played any songs. The the whole movie is like just sort of their interpersonal dynamics as they come back together, see where they're all at, talk about where, where they're going, kind of take care of each other, and also get over each other. Um, 
they had a certain honesty to them that I liked, and there was just yeah. people sitting close, and was like, you want to maybe have some sex? And it was just funny, because that was turned around at the end, and I thought it was going to be the two guys. You want to maybe have some sex? And I was like, oh, this is more progressive than Because he's like best friends with both people in this couple, and like has sex with the, the gal when she gets there, and then they have the exact same yeah. shot for the guys, and it's like, is this not... Is this not happening? <laughs> like, yeah. Why shoot it like this? I mean, yeah. maybe to shoot to to show that they're they're engaging in a level of intimacy similar to what happened, even though sex isn't occurring, and that the sex wasn't even necessarily all that important, as much as like the intimacy of friendship and being there for someone in that moment. Yeah. Right, and a lot of the like, if maybe even all of the sex that happens in the movie is all just like casual among friends kind of stuff. Yep. And is more just indicative of their the intimacy of their friendships than than anything else. It's not like romantic, right? Yeah, totally agree with that. I and that's that. refreshing. I like, yeah, I like the um, I I like the the relationships that they had. I found it for the most part pretty relatable. Mm-hmm. Like yeah, in in some ways, it reminds me. Uh, I mean, I think our friends are a lot more mature, <laughs> perhaps we're more well educated. But like, um, not more well educated. All those people were like Cornell and Vassar. And... They're supposed to. Their characters are supposed to be, but they're not talking like. She had had a lot well of educated too. people. They're talking mm-hmm. like all the cases were dropped. Don't tell the cop that. <laughs> yeah, they're they're talking like middle class white people who, who you know, set a tape recorder down for their classes and went and got drunk instead. But like our, which our like. friends are more like people who didn't take school for granted. Like we're very mm. grateful for the opportunity and soaked up whatever they could. So that, to make sure that we don't like ruin our lives after, but like, um, aside from class differences, like, um, you know, being, like older leftists who are you know have been aged out of of like you know like young people's organizing stuff and whatnot like and being a little too tired for it like (laughs) but you know (laughs) maintaining all those connections with all the people that you you know used to organize with and stuff and like um you know like the the bonds that that creates yeah. with people like endures it's like you know the they're like family in in a way and i i found that pretty relatable yeah I, I i totally agree with that there was a lot of like just earnest conversations about caring for people and like missing people and uh just things like that that i really enjoyed just laughing because this is a scene where you see like 19 people fucking slam. You see 19 slam dunks. <laughs> you do. <laughs> and then they show the actual, you know, height of the basketball hoop. And it's, it's like six foot max. Yeah. So like, it's very easy. And they don't in the slam dunk scene. You can't tell how high it is. And Ashes was like, these people are fucking masters of dunk. <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting that like you know you have in the movie fedora you have a, a guy who wrote and directed he was a, a 
he wrote most, did the screenplays for most of his films. And uh, John Sayles also, even though John Sayles is more of a independent director and his movie style is more kind of like Robert Altman a little bit, I was getting some yeah. Robert Altman yeah, vibes a lot. to it. Um, it's just neat that like, you know, he also wrote the story and I liked the writing. There were a couple scenes and both of you pointed out it at a couple of times where you're just like, why is, we don't need this scene. Yeah. <laughs> but you could just I can just picture the guy with the typewriter and you know I just I kind of I like that well yeah yeah no I I think this happens a lot in, in films where and we were we just went and saw what was that movie calls everything oh god everything is happening right now oh my yeah. god Michelle and, Yeoh is the most badass of badasses oh totally oh, but, there, yeah. but there's She's like amazing. just things that I think directors like you write it or you shoot it and you become a little bit in love with it because it's like a thing you made but it doesn't yeah. fit <laughs> and so you just sort of shoehorn it into your movie because you're like, I don't know, just like put it in there. I shot this. I care about it. I have the investment of it happening and I need to fill out. The, I don't the care time. if it fucks up the pacing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just put it in there. And so you do. And then everyone's like, eh. but it's probably your sort of inside joke. It's your it's your thing that you have a connection to if you're part of that that crew, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, Ordering another drink at that weird old cash register. I liked all that. <laughs> oh, stuff. I liked all that. There was that stuff was earlier. Maybe it was even that the gas station or something. Something with Ron, maybe. Yeah. Well, the thing was like, why his entire scene meandering on in this conversation the whole that's not going anywhere? Initial introduction to of Ron. Ron. I was like, why? It's funny because it, it's like they tried to give him depth. And never did until she goes and hook like that. That gal is like having uh, they're at the bar together and they're having mm -hmm. a conversation. And then you get like the the inch deep into Ron or whatever. Um, well, he's also who's oh, also into but butt stuff. Like, yeah, I like he, that. You could have gotten all of that from the little bit of introduction that they gave of her catching up with him at the bar. They could have made it just so like he is somebody like who stayed just, in the town. Yeah. Um, yeah, exactly. They go well deep into that while they're still at the bar, just like, you know, oh, hey, I ran into you here. Like, how have you been? Like, you know, what have you been up to? What have you been doing with your life? Like, that could have been our introduction to Ron, and that would have been fine. Agreed. They could, they like, your cat looks so cute right also now. Also showed him there at the gas station and done what they did in, like, seven scenes with Ron Having, like, boring conversations in one. Yeah. And, like, that would have been plenty. I would have got it. Like, oh, you're the guy who stayed. Okay. I agree with all of that. And it's a, it's an editing thing. But I, I didn't, you mm -hmm. know. I, I forgave it all that. It's funny that sure. Ron, I thought, was John Sayles because he's in every John Sayles movie. <laughs> and then we watched the whole thing. And then we watched a little bit of an interview with John Sayles. And he was one of the main Secaucus 7 people. He's in the film. Oh, yeah. I don't know that he's... A main person. Well, he was one of them, well, wasn't he's the he? One he's that, Howie. He doesn't get arrested. He's, he's not the, okay. the one that became a dad. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's right. The three kids. Three kids, and I gotta go work the fucking clerk. That's right. Oh, okay. But he's in it. He's in it enough. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He went totally. out drinking with them, and he was like playing basketball and swimming and stuff. That's it. But, I like uh, that this movie's so fresh. We just he, watched it. <laughs> but he had to go to work. He did have to go to work. So he didn't get arrested. Got real high. Yeah. Got real high and had a, had a few beers and relived Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. I would give this thumbs up. I did like this movie. 
uh i like switching to a thumbs up model for this like you just did because i think <laughs> it, it it better encapsulates how i feel about this because i don't think i would give this like a seven no but like i did like it and i wanted if I, I could give it a pass fail grade it yeah. passes it's good enough i liked it this yeah. was another movie madness movie it's like watching it with you two is like i hadn't seen this in around tw- at least 20 years or around 20 years and it was something where it was like I was going through all the political movies in Movie Madness. And this one was like, oh, Return of the Chicago 7, like the Chicago 8 or, you know, the Cantonsville 9. So I thought it was going to be way more political than it was. <laughs> and it's not not political. Well, and it even opens up with that whole, like, written from the Anarchist Committee. What the fuck was that? <laughs> preserved. It was preserved by the Anarchist Convention. Yeah. <laughs> of, like, Iowa Whoa. or Ohio yeah. or something. <laughs> Is neat, but yeah, it wasn't as political as I wanted it to be, and that's my memory of it. Yeah, that seems right. Yeah, still like it. It's just you know the Secaucus Seven. They, they didn't really. They give the Democrat a, a good ribbing, which yeah, yeah, but that's, that's true. about the extent of it. And when... I mean, it's not like they're all like superstar organizers still they're not doing shit so. now when one of them listed one all the reasons he was arrested and again he shouldn't have listed any of them to the cop it's yeah, like duh. main 101 <laughs> you know uh uh whatever you would call it things you don't say um he said it and he shouldn't have but he he blew some shit up that was in some of his lists you know yeah again don't it's that's like bragging about getting away with with yeah. a pocket Full of heroin. That's even better. I kind of like it. <laughs> I mean, if you're going to go full fucking Karen at the cop shop, like, I guess do it. Like, Karen at the cop shop. I fucking did this. And then I did, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hurry it up. You're just yeah. taking up my time. <laughs> I like that, that the cop was like, I don't even care. You're just annoying that you're taking do so you long. Do you want the dates? <laughs> no. No, God. I can't believe we arrested you for being around a deer that fell oh, off a hood. The drunk guy. I love the drunk, the drunk guy. guy. Best actor in the film. And I, that is not even yeah. a joke. I, I actually think he's oh. the best actor the in this film. The old basketball coach. Yeah. yeah. He just comes in. He's kind of drunk. He's having a good time. Uh, and he's also the darkest, like... He's also the most, like, towny character. Because he's not correct, someone who yeah. fucked off Cornell and is like writing bad songs and hoping to make it in LA. He's like, yeah, yeah the shoe factory shut mm-hmm. down and now I drink. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I do. Yeah. That's the American dream. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it's what I do. It's, it's, what, it's what we do. Normally like, I wouldn't get in trouble oh, for being was, drunk yeah, like this. That was really good. <laughs> but it's tourist <laughs> season. <laughs> And so they're trying yeah, to keep normally it Normally they don't give up. a fuck. That was all sharp. I liked all that. All of that was great. It was the most, it was <laughs> the best acted scene and maybe the best written por- portion of the whole thing. I liked it. I don't And a movie I that I liked. Disagree with you. But uh, Victory, did you rate this? Did we do this already? I think I did. Okay. Um, let's move on. That's all the movies we have to review, but we also... Uh, uh, all of us watched The Fabulous Alan Carr, uh, 2017. This was a documentary about Alan Carr, who um, 
was a producer, and he also wrote the screenplay for Grease, and, um, you know, did a lot of things, and he was, you know, pretty openly gay, even though he didn't say it, but pretty flamboyant, and everybody kind of knew it. Uh, <laughs> I really liked that movie, and I liked that, you know, this was a, a part of the history of Grease, you know. Yeah, I just, yeah. I was giggling that, like, he didn't say he was openly gay while wearing, like, Caftans, or like when he discovered like... that someone introduced. Yeah, he had problems with weight. I thought it was a really good documentary, and I liked that. It was beautiful. Oh yeah, and it was oh. it was also very sad. Yeah, because it's that's just like this sad. movie. People look at it now, and they 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 look at a lot of the negatives, and that's there. And you let's look at them, but it was like. I wanted to, I sought this movie out. I was very happy that there was a documentary because I was like, maybe there's more of the story there. And mm-hmm. I looked him up on IMDb and the, the documentary came up and you can watch it on Prime Video. But like me and my family loved this movie growing up and used to do skits in the living room to this movie, which I mentioned uh, in our review of Grease. And I was texting all of my four sisters and they <laughs> were like, what? Because you guys like, you know, took some issues with, with parts of the movie, which is fine. They're there, the issues. But in a sea of a lot of shitty movies, this movie spawned a lot of creativity. And there's a lot of coded gay stuff in there. And, um, I mean, I was just, I've always been kind of grateful for this movie. And it was neat to see. I mean, it's weird because you have people who maybe should have known better, but couldn't get away with, you know, a lot of uh, movies, you know, like The Pink Narcissist or something, you're not going to get main mainstream distribution. And this movie, gratefully, right. I would say, got out to everybody. Yeah. And so the producer or whatever, and the writer who wrote uh, the play was also gay, uh, sadly died of, of during the AIDS ep- epidemic, which made me think that, like, cocaine's on the hook. The manufacturers and di- distributors of cocaine should be a little <laughs> bit on the hook for the AIDS epidemic. I'm just saying. <laughs> the manufacturers and distributors. And distribution, distributioners of, of fucking... <laughs> Cocaine, because a lot of people are yeah. self-medicating. I'm gay. I'm in the '70s. It's fucking hell. I'm doing some self-medicating. I'm doing some cocaine, and then you know, uh, there's a lot of scenes of these parties. This guy at the end of this doc- documentary is just like, I moved into this house, and people come and they're like, holy shit, I was at a party in this house, you know, 35 years ago, and the village <laughs> people were there, and oh my god, <laughs> like I liked this learning about this guy's it life. It seemed like an absolute oasis. Yeah. Which is which made just, me reminded me of Tom of yeah. Finland. They had that totally. thing where like they're having those parties. Totally. And... It's just it's just some this amazing bit of like oh come here be very gay be very out <laughs> mm-hmm. and you know it's funny because like I expected him to be kind of a creeper in in the way that he interacted but like the guy who was like oh yeah I came and I was like. Definitely willing to hook up with him, but he just never wanted that. Like, no, he, he wanted just, to watch. Yeah, he did want to watch. <laughs> <laughs> but like, he wasn't ever intrusive. He ever wasn't like weird. Like, the, you know, we didn't make it like uncomfortable. It was just like made this space where you could be like mm-hmm. gay and have a fantastic fucking time and be around beautiful people and do all these things. And it's like, wow, what a fucking gift. I mean. Weird. Yeah, like it, it. It sucks that it has to happen like that in those spaces, but also beautiful that people can create that. And, and then he did "Can't Stop the Music." And then he did "Can't Stop the Music." <laughs> Can't stop the cocaine. <laughs> <laughs> 
it's just sad. And a lot of the people that were at those parties, a lot of those people did get sick. And so there's there's some, some deep sadness in the movie. And he, as I stated, had issues with weight. and His know, stuff issues. is just like so sad because it seems like, I don't, and I, obviously there's no, nothing like direct lining it, but like him just feeling like not worthy of a lot of, well, anything in the film, right? Yeah. Like he's constantly putting on these like, over-the-top, fabulous things <laughs> um, in every sphere that he's operating in because he's like, I am not good enough. I need to, like, just be fucking big and amazing. and Yeah. And then also just, like, that that just voice following him around was just... I mean, at least in the documentary, they made it seem just quite real that it was just always tearing him down, that he was always susceptible. Like, if it wasn't working, that shit was going to you know, yeah. collapse on him. It's great that he brought back musicals <laughs> and he was really into like silver screen and he loved a lot of these actresses and then brought some of their careers back and he worshiped these people. All that stuff was, was really neat to, to find out about. Not just musicals, but like the big sort of like theatrical sort of like, uh, he lived in Ingrid Bergman's house. Like what what are like those pool scenes and whatnot like in early movies where like yeah, synchronized yeah, swimming, swimming, and swimming and just these like <laughs> absolutely fucking like, shots of these things happen. I mean Greece is MGM not dissimilar studio. to that. Totally. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean you just see these like audacious things happening. Like, what the fuck is even all this? Um and it, yeah, I mean, they talk about him him being in love with those things and wanting wanting to pull them back, but not exactly. You know, I mean, it's a different model at that point, so it's not a perfect fit. And he finds a way to make it really work. It's funny that one song in Greece, I think it was stranded at the the drive-in. You didn't really like that song. Like, the song isn't that great. The lyrics are pretty stupid. And we learned it was like one of those. We had a day to write it or something. <laughs> Just like a day. And here you go. And it was all because, uh, uh, what's his name's a total asshole. And I was like, I don't have my own song. Oh, Travolta. Yeah, I want a song. Like everyone yeah, else they're like, okay, own. well, then we're going to make you a fucking rapey song. We're going to have you do this like, thing where you fucking assault your partner and then you go mope about it and feel like. Heartbroken. That, it's it's true. That, it's like, weird. She yeah. did that to you. That her setting boundaries is like the yeah. worst thing that's <laughs> ever fucking happened to you. Yeah, and that, and that's all very fair. But it's just weird hearing that because as a child, I didn't get any of that. I just I like certain notes in the song. I like when he sticks his his arm in the air, and it's just things that I just I love about that song. So it's like, well, sure, oh, it's yeah. about this. You know? I mean, it all went over my head, and it would go over hopefully any kid's head. Yeah, right, right, right. Like you know, you're not exa- I mean, hopefully you're not learning about like yeah. n- abusive narcissists at that point. <laughs> <laughs> But you are, though, right? It's culture that you're taking in at that point. That's, you are learning that about is it. true. That's very which that is, is which true. is the issue I it, think that we took about it. It teaches you that when you see that in Agreed. someone else, we can that, do better. Let's that, do better. Like when you see that in someone else, you think of it as normalized. You don't. It doesn't hit you like a red flag, mm-hmm. like it should, right? Like someone setting boundaries, and then someone that's not someone doing something to you, say, like. Acting as though they've been harmed in some way or are somehow a victim. Like, that's huge. 
huge red flags. Yeah, absolutely. Sandy, you hurt me real bad. Girl, you know it's true. <laughs> that might be from a Boys to Men song or something. But, uh, Girl, you know it's true. But he did say Sandy hurt me Wait, real bad. Wait, no, yeah. that's from... That's I know, it's Millie Vanilli. Yeah. That's fine. I blame it on the rain. <laughs> anyway. Okay, okay, my favorite... I love this duck ...thing that I took away from this mm-hmm. is when we watch Grease, I think we all saw this where he's trying to be a jock. And he's going through all the jock things. He letters and track. And then there's a a, a wrestling scene <laughs> where he's like wrestling the guy. Oh yeah. And and in the background there's two like shirtless dudes just fucking going at it wrestling. I think and even when we were watching doing the watch through, we were yeah, like, a little yeah, no, bit. totally. Why yeah. are they like they're really weirdly going for it? Like, and this documentary, they drop long. it in there that he loved watching guys wrestle. Yeah. <laughs> Put that in <laughs> they there. put that in there for him. They're like, oh, make it like a real, right? Like, just go at it in the background. Like, for like a while. What was the noise again? <laughs> the animated? Animation in this. Very brilliant. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Not a 70s movie, but a documentary about a 70s individual that is mm-hmm. so worth your time to watch. It fits in. Yeah, I know Amazon sucks, but if you have Prime. If not, I think you can probably rent it or get it somewhere. We'll help you. We'll make you a copy if you want to see it. Yeah. Yeah. Like, don't make me do that. (laughs) (laughs) Somehow we'll get you a copy if you want to see it. Or we'll take you through the plot. Yeah. We'll we'll act it out for you. Um, We'll do do way worse animation of it. I like that. Yeah. (laughs) The little flip book thing. Ooh. Ooh. Oh. Fuck Jeff Bezos. Yeah, uh, that's that's all, I think, for us. I think that brings us to the end. Hey, folks, just a quick reminder that you can find us on Instagram and uh, Facebook if you want to interact with us. You can go on there and look up A Decade Under the Influence. Uh, I'm done. I'm putting this microphone away. We're, we're also on uh, Twitter at A Decade Under the One. Uh, but I do more really Twitter don't stuff. do a lot of show there. Sorry. Um of course, you can find us on all the podcasting things and whatnot. If you give us rates, ratings and review, we really appreciate it. I haven't checked for a really long time. No have. one does that for us. I still um, check at least If once you a do week. it, um, we'll thank you probably or something like that. Maybe we'll, we'll have send a parade. You a, we'll come to your house and buy you chocolate. Gold LeMay sweater or something. I don't or know. Or a gold LeMay sweater. <laughs> <laughs> we'll give you a sweet macrame planter. Yeah, I mean, in the seventies style. <laughs> <laughs> or if would you like, like to win a macrame planter? <laughs> or if you're like me and you've just put in ten years in a, in a union position for for a government agency, oh, you can God. have your choice of tote bag, or pen, or charm, or duffel bag. Get to the hungry man <laughs> or the hungry man. Food containers with fitted lid. <laughs> Don Park. With a fitted lid. <laughs> Andrew Desmukes. Folks, that's it. Thank you so much for listening, uh, and we'll see you next time. Funky Johnson. <laughs> <laughs>